Hello, and welcome to Weekly Wholesome Words with Pastor Josh Drelecki of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. Join Pastor Josh each week as he gives further insight into God's Word. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Weekly Wholesome Words. We are going to pick up where we left off last week, looking at the issue of good works. We went into the text, we went into the Bible to look at the reality that good works are to be the product, the byproduct and fruit of not only who God's made us to be in Christ, but also our conformity to his image. And we just saw the basic fundamental reality that we are God's peculiar people. We are his workmanship. And we are created under good works and we ought to be therefore zealous of good works. We saw in those two passages, second, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10, and we looked at Titus uh, chapter 2 and verse 14 there, and then we also looked at Titus chapter 3 and verse 8 and verse 14, that we should be careful to maintain good works. Then I posed two questions. Again, there's a lot of things that you can look at in connection with good works. I try to get to the just fundamental issues, and in doing that, I posed two questions. Paul says there in Titus chapter 3 and verse 14 that these good works are profitable and, um, and unto all men. And so we want to look at the profitability of good works. What's the profit? In fact, that word good tells you there's some profit to the works that we're going to be involved in, the works that God ordained before the world unto, um, that we've, we've been ordained unto. And then we want to, and what we have been doing first, is taking a look at what makes up a good work. And we want to know what makes up a good work in God's sight. Now, what we dealt with last week is we took a look at some of the components of that. First, we need to have a new identity. Because of our status in Adam... Because of our carnality, our inherent weakness and sin in our members, anything therefore we produce in and of ourselves is death unto God. We need a new identity and God by his grace has given us that new identity. And what makes up that new identity is we are dead to sin and alive unto God. And that being alive unto God and being planted in a likeness of his resurrection is for the purpose that we should walk in newness of life. And in this newness of life that we're going to walk in, we are going to have the capacity to do good works. We're going to be able to do some things in God's sight that are pleasing, delightful, acceptable, and that he can receive, and that are compatible with his justice and his holiness. And the only way in which we're ever going to be able to do that is if he's given us this new identity, which he has, if you've trusted the gospel of Christ, we are dead to sin and alive unto God. And if he provides us information to live by or to utilize in the details of our life, that when we would, we would not be doing those works from our own inner capacity. We wouldn't be doing those works from the flesh. Because the flesh and anything from it, God cannot receive. And so 
He provides us a new identity, and he provides us information to live by. And when we live by that information, we are not generating works from the flesh, but we're generating works and fruit that is of the Spirit of God. And therefore, that's what would make up the good works. Okay? Now let's talk about that a little bit more in light of the scripture. Look with me. At Romans chapter 6 again, in verse 22, he says, But now being made free from sin, there's our new identity. He says, And become servants to God. We're dead to sin, and we're alive in a God. We're free from sin, and we're servants to God. He says, You have your fruit now being free from sin, and become servants of God. That's our being. That's our identity. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Our fruit that we're going to be able to produce from being free from sin and become servants to God, our fruit is going to be unto holiness. It's going to be what's pleasing, delightful, and acceptable in God's sight. The mechanics of how we bear this fruit unto righteousness, or I'm sorry, unto holiness, is what Romans chapter 8 deals with. And this is where we also get involved. He says here in Romans chapter 8, Look at verse 5. He says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. When we mind the things of the Spirit, the things that He's already given to us, our new identity, the capacity to bring forth fruit unto God, unto holiness, and when He gives us things in connection with the instruction that we are to live by in this life, when we mind them, we're going to be able to bring this, for, this fruit unto holiness that he was talking about in Romans chapter 6. Now come with me further down to Romans chapter 8 and look at verse 28. As Paul talks about um, our inheritance and he talks about <clears throat> the issue of um, the purpose that we have in God's plan and purpose for the ages, he comes along and he says in verse 28, and we know that all things work together. Now what are the all things? All things are the things of life, the things that we are going to face in the present time that we're in, as he utilizes that terminology in verse 18. And what are the all things? Notice he doesn't say this thing is going to work with this thing. The all things are in a category of themselves. Everything that you could place under there is in the category of all things. And they work together for something. But what do they work together. In other words, you could come along and say, and we know that all things work for good. You could come along and say that. You and that would be perfectly a uh, uh, right sentence and we know that all things work for good. You can come along and say, yeah, all things, this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing, they work for good. But he's he's coming along and saying and we know that all things work together for good. Well, what's the together? What does it work together with? We know it works for good, but what does it work with? Well, that's the instruction that our Father, as the Father that He is, is going to give us. God is going to take the things of this life and work it together with His instruction for us. And what is it going to work? For good. Okay. Now, when He says for good, my understanding is that's something in the life to come. That's something in eternity. Um, however... 
when Paul begins to give us that instruction, he gives a title to the things that we work. Notice, all things work together. We're going to take all things with his word. He's put us in the position to be able to take all things of life with his word, his instruction. And when we do things in this life, in all things, with his word, it becomes a good work. And when we call it a good work, it's not only describing the practical, physical, tangible application that is worked out in this life, but it's a good work. And that issue of good is not only good in the eyes of men, it's good in the eyes of God. And not only that, but it's it works for good. It, it, there's profitability to it. And so when we come along to that expression, good work, it's, it ha- it's, it's a packed expression denoting that we need to have a new identity to be able to produce a good work. Since we have a new identity and are able to produce a new uh, a good work, how we're going to be able to produce it is by God's word, his grace, and his word, and all the graces and instruction that he gives us. And we taking those things in this life is going to produce a good work, not only in the life that now is, but in the life that is to come. When we participate in all those things working together for good, we're also being conformed into the image of Christ, as he's going to go down to explain in verses 29 through 30. Okay, now I want to look at <clears throat> some of these good works. If you come with me to Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, and I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, and look at verse 11. He's going to summarize in verses 1 and 2 everything that he has said in the previous chapters and also what he wants now as he goes forth. And what's sitting in verse 3 is his instruction, his grace to be able to take into the things of life and have it work for good. Look what he says here in verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So Paul's exhorting us, he's beseeching us, but he's beseeching us and exhorting us by the mercies of God. In other words, he's not beseeching us and exhorting us to do these things in and of ourselves, but by the mercies of God. And he's going to explain those mercies that ye present your bodies. And we're not presenting our bodies to try to do this unto God in and of ourselves. He says your body's a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. A living sacrifice is doctrinally set forth in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 13. The holy issue is set forth in Romans chapter 6, I'm sorry, chapter 8 verses 14 uh, and 15 there. The issue of holy, we're the sons of God and the acceptable unto God makes up the rest of Romans chapter 8 all the way to chapter 11. And when we learn that, we're now presenting our body that way. It's by what God has given us in that information, Romans 6 through Romans 11. We're taking that and now we're presenting our body by the mercies of God that we have learned. And then he says, which is your reasonable service? It'd be unreasonable service if God asked us to do this by ourselves, but rather he's asking us to do this by his mercies that he's given to us, and therefore it's reasonable. He hasn't come along and asked us something that we cannot do. He's asked us to come along and do something that we can do because he's provided us all the the provisions that we need in order to get it done. In other words... He's put us in the position and given us every provision to have all things work together for good and us to therefore produce good works that have 
profit in this life and the life that is to come. So the recipe of a good work is God's grace, which is twofold, that we that, that he had to give us a new identity to put us in the position to be able to produce a good work. But just because we're in the position to produce a good work doesn't mean that we can automatically now produce that good work. Rather, he needs to provide us his 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 second aspect of his grace in connection with the instruction, his words that we are to live by. And when we live by them, because of who he's made us to be in Christ and because of his word, that when we live by them, we will produce a good work. And how we live by them is first by learning them and minding them. And as we mind these things of the Spirit, we will produce good works or we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Now look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and look how this ties together. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here, what Paul set forth in Romans 8 that we are to mind the things of the Spirit, is the Spirit's going to lead us, and as we mind these things, we're going to renew our mind so that we can have a mind that is after the things of the Spirit for the purpose that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he's going to give us a renewed mind, and the renewed mind is going to have the capacity to prove in life what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And as we prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, we will produce, be producing those good works. And you go down for the rest of the chapter, and it's all about good works. In fact, to the end of chapter, 50, uh, to chapter 15, verse 7, it's all about good works, but in them being generated from a renewed mind, being generated from the things of the Spirit. Just to make a note, the good works that we're involved in are not random. They're not miscellaneous. They're not... Um, just come out of thin air based upon where we think we produced a good work. God's word provides us the context, the environment, and the information that we are to imply, uh, apply in that environment and thus producing a good work and therefore the plurality of them good works. And so there's good works in Paul's epistles that we are going to participate in. Now let's look at a couple passages that talk about good works. Um, you can go over to First uh, Timothy chapter two and verse ten, talking about women. Uh, he says, "But which he talked about the men in connection with their good works." And he says, uh, he talks about the women. He says, "But which becometh women professing godliness with good works." Verse First uh, Timothy chapter five verse ten, talking about the widows, well reported of for good works. And then he gives a list of those good works. If she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 25, he says, Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Chapter 6, verse 18, They that do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Second Timothy chapter three verse seventeen that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's the word of God. All is able to produce is those good works. And then again, the issue uh, uh, in Titus chapter two, talking about the young men, verse seven, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptedness, gravity, sincerity, and so on. And then he goes on to explain the issue of being zealous for good works and to maintain these good works. So. As we wind down here, 
let me just review looking at the first part of those, the first question out of the two. We're asking what's the recipe, what makes up a good work, and also what's the profitability of good works. And we've answered now the first one. The recipe for good works is one, God's grace. God's grace providing us a new identity and the, the, the instruction to live by in this life. And he's provided both. He's provided us a new identity and he's provided us instruction in which we are to live by. If he didn't provide that instruction, then we would be thinking of how to do this life in and of ourselves. And therefore it would be of the flesh. It would be in our own capacity. And that's something God can't accept. So he, by his grace, provides us the instruction that when we live by it, it is not the flesh, it's not the world, it's not the adversary, it's of the spirit. And the way in which we are going to practically and tangibly produce that good work is having God's instruction as a new man that we are, taking God's instruction and minding it, and when we mind it, now prove it in the details of our life, thus producing good work. And the good is not only going to be in the eyes of men, sometimes they're not even going to view it as good, but most importantly in the eyes of God. And also, which is our segue into the second question, which we'll deal with next week, what is the profitability of these good works? The fact that he calls them good works and that all things work together for good tells us the simple fact that there is profitability in good works. And that's what we'll take a look at next week. I hope you join us next week as we wrap this issue of good works up and take a look at the profitability of them. Until next time, look up. Thanks for joining Pastor Josh for this week's episode of Weekly Wholesome Words. Join him next week for another look into God's Word. Until next time, look up.